All right, while they receive the offering, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. Go ahead and pull them out. I hope you brought your Bible with you this morning. If you didn't, that's okay. There's one actually sitting underneath the seat that you're sitting in. You can reach down um, and pull that Bible out. Um, if, if you just forgot your Bible or you don't own one, there's one there. If you don't own a Bible, you don't have a Bible at home, you just you completely don't own one, just steal that one, okay? Um, you, you just take that home and you can tell all your friends that you went to church and you stole a Bible from, from church and they're going to look at you real funny, all right? Um, but that's our gift to you, so go ahead and take that with you. In, in that white Bible, we're going to be in uh, Psalms, in the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 16 is where we're going to be this morning, um, and in that white Bible, it's on page, what do we say, 258, 258 in that white Bible. Psalm 16 is where we're going to be. Last Sunday, as Pete kind of already talked about a little bit, we started this series, um, and, and what we talked about last week is this idea uh, out of the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 3, that Jesus, the God of the universe, Jesus, um, where is he now? What is he doing now? And in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus um, says to a church, a church in a place called Laodicea, Jesus says, listen, here's where I am. This is what I'm doing. I'm standing at the door of your life, and I'm knocking. I'm knocking at, at the door. I'm here, and I'm knocking. And what do I want to do? I want to come in, and I want to dine with you. I'm standing at the door of your life, and I'm, I'm knocking. I've made a way that, that you and I can re-enter into a right and good relationship, and, and that's, what, that's what I want to do. And we talked about this idea last week that... Um, we don't go to Jesus' door. We, we don't somehow earn our way and do all these right things and somehow get to Jesus' door. No, he comes to our door. He goes to the cross and he bleeds the ground red to, to build this bridge um, from him to us. And he comes to our door and he's knocking on the door saying, I want to come in and I want to dine with you. But we said, man, our cupboards are bare. Our fridge is empty. There's like a half-drank can of Mountain Dew in there that nobody wants. And Jesus is at the door knocking, saying, hey, let's have a meal. And we're like, but there's nothing in my fridge. There's nothing in my cabinets. He says, no, I've brought the goods. Let's feast on my love and my hope and my mercy and my goodness. Let's, let's dine together. I want a relationship with you. And at the, end, at the end of last week, I said, man, if you didn't hear anything I said, you, don't, you didn't hear anything Hear this, the God of the universe wants a relationship with you. He wants to draw near to you. He, he wants you to draw near to him. He wants you to know him. He wants to, to shower you with mercy and love and grace. And at the very end, I said, man, if, if that's you, if, if this morning you, you, you hear his voice and you, you hear him knocking at you, the door of your life and you want to sit at that table with him, you want him to sit at the table of your heart and you want to share that meal, I said, hey, let's raise our hands. I want to pray for you. And all across this room at both of our gatherings at 915 and 11, man, the hands just started shooting up. I tried to count them. I couldn't. I was like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Ah, forget it. Let's just pray. Um, it was amazing. But then the question becomes, so what now? What now? I said, yeah, let's do this. Let's open the door. Let's, let's let Jesus sit at the table of my heart. Let's, let's begin this relationship with him. So what now? And so what we're going to do, actually, over the next three weeks here at Flourishing Grace, um, this morning and then the next two weeks, we're, we're going to unpack what are... Three of the most important 
things that we must understand um, as followers of Jesus? What are the three most important things that we must do and know as followers of Jesus? What, what are they? H- how do we um, find this relationship? How do we um, come to this place? What are the things that, that cause us to love Jesus more and more and more? What are the things that, that keep our butt in the seat at that table? What are those things? And, and I would guess that many of these things, uh, the things that we're going to talk about are things that you probably wouldn't guess, that you wouldn't guess. For example, this morning, the one that we're going to talk about is simply this, finding the fullness of our joy in him alone, fully delighting in him alone, finding full delight, full joy, full pleasure in Jesus alone. If I were to ask you when you came in the room this morning, if I would say, hey, what, what do you think are the most important things that we do as followers of Jesus? Um, my guess is that many of us would say, would say well, we, um, we read our Bible and, and we pray and, and we, um, uh, we, we serve in kids ministry or we serve here at the church and we, we give financially. We, we do all of these things. And uh, my, my point is this, at, at the core of faith in Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus, at the center of it is a relationship, not a to-do list. At the center of of having any hope whatsoever, at the center of this table of my heart where Jesus wants to come in and sit and dine with me is a relationship, not a to-do list. And so the most important thing that that I can do that's going to keep my butt in that chair with him sitting, dining at this table is finding the fullness of my joy in him. And the psalmist knows this. The psalmist understands that there is um, absolute joy and absolute delight in everything that God is. He talks about this idea constantly, finding his delight in the law of the Lord, the fullness of his joy in his presence. He talks about this idea constantly. The psalmist understands that there's this deeply emotional component to just knowing and loving the God of the universe. We're actually going to spend our summer walking through the book of Psalms. I'm really, really excited about it. So this morning is kind of a a little bit of a taste of what that's going to look like for us. And so if you got your Bibles, if if you flip there, Psalm 16 is where we are. Um, And I'm going to read this passage for us. It's super short, just one passage, and it reads this way. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I'm just going to read it again for us. Let it, let it soak in. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So, so here it is, okay? Je- Jesus has said... I am at the door of your life. I'm knocking on the door. I want to come in. I want to begin a relationship with you. I want to sit at the table with you. And I've brought fullness of joy. I've brought pleasures 
forevermore. Unending, untappable, unimaginable pleasures. I've brought them with me. It's a package deal. You can't open that door and let me in without bringing all this good stuff in with it. Uh, That's what I bring to the table. In my presence is the fullness of joy. With me, what I bring when I come into your life is pleasures forevermore. There are two problems when it comes to this idea. Every single one of us, uh, my guess is, knows people who um, may come to church, maybe even here at Flourishing Grace, uh, maybe even in the room right now. Um, People in our lives who um, claim to have this faith and hope in Jesus but we don't see the joy, we don't see the pleasures unending, we don't see that in them. Why? Why is that? Why is it that so many people um, kind of go through these motions and they, they do all the things that we talked about earlier, right? They, they, they check off the list and they're serving and, and giving and they're praying and they're reading, but the joy and the pleasures don't seem to be there. Why is that? There's probably a gajillion reasons, but I'm going to just wrestle with two of them this morning. Um, you see, we're really, really good at these two things. We, we are really, really good um, at these two things. We're really good at um, being a people. I'm really good at being a person who finds to, seeks to find fullness of joy in all of the wrong places. I'm constantly trying to find more joy, um, and I'm constantly looking in all these places where I actually know it's probably not going to be found there, but I do it anyways. I'm also really, really good. We, we are very good at masking our joylessness. I, I don't know if that's a real word, but we're going to roll with it this morning. We're, we're really good at hiding joylessness, right? So, so the first piece, we... Um, are, are really good at seeking to find joy in all of the wrong places. You do this, I promise you. If you say, no, nah, not, not me, I, I don't do that. I promise you, um, m- maybe you most of all. Like, we, we do this, right? Um, here's what it looks like. We, we live our lives this way. When I get here, then I will actually be able to kind of relax a little bit. I'll be able to pull back because there I will find a little bit of happiness, a little bit of joy, a little bit of contentment, less stress, less anxiety if I can just get here. Now, where that is for you, it's different for all of us, right? For some of you, it's like once I land the dream job, then I will have that feeling, that, that peace, that joy, that, that pleasure. I'll have it there. You know what? It's not the dream job. It's this position in my company. When I get to this position here, then I will be able to find that peace, that pleasure, that fullness of joy. You know what? It's, it's, not, even, it's not even about work. It's, it's this thing that I want. Once I can build this dream home or once I own this, this boat or this thing or I, I can retire and I, I can go and I can live in this place, then I will... Man, if only my kids, Josh, it's not in stuff. I know that, Josh. It's not in stuff. It's not in money. It's in my family, right? When my kids get to the place where they actually obey me, amen, um, then I will find some pleasure, some fullness of joy. Good luck with that one. Um, Man, if I could just land Mrs. Wright or Mr. Wright, then, then, oh, I just wouldn't have to worry so much about it. And I could just, there would be fullness of joy, right? 
You know what all these have in common? They're out there someplace. In the future, in the distance. You don't have it. Yet. You don't have it yet. You see, what we do is we, we create, we manufacture these false fullness of joy ideas, these moments where in my mind it's perfect, in my mind it's, it's great, I've built this idea of what it's going to be like, and then we actually get there. And some of you in the room have gotten there. You've, you've reached that place, and for a moment it was probably pretty good. Like, man, oh, this is nice, this is awesome. I moved into the dream house, and it was, it was perfect. Everything was just exactly how I wanted it. And then you realize, wait, I have to mow the yard and clean this huge thing, and ah, it's not that great anymore. Man, I, I finally landed the dream job that's got the high pay and the unlimited vacation days, but my boss is a tyrant. And so maybe someday when I get to retirement, then I will. Man, I finally get my, my kid to, to, to kind of listen to me, and it was just, it was great. And then he became a teenager, and it was downhill from there, right? Someday when he's, when, when like he's older, he'll understand, right? We, we keep, we push it into the distance. We push it into the distance. We push it into the distance because it's never actually there. It's this untappable thing that, that you will never find, and I will never find. This, this idea, this fullness of joy, these pleasures forevermore that actually satisfy You see, the problem is not that we have these great grand visions and these great grand plans. The problem is that our vision, our plans, our joys are far too small. C.S. Lewis talked about this idea, um, the great theologian, he says this, he says, um, in a sermon called The Weight of Glory, C.S. Lewis says this, he says, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward... And the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord Jesus finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by uh, the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. We are really, really good at playing in the mud. Like I'm, an, I'm awesome at it. I'm awesome at it. And God is over here. I'm playing in this mud. I'm thinking, man, wouldn't it be cool if I built this sweet little house out of mud? Wouldn't it be cool if I made this job out of mud? Wouldn't it be cool if I created this, this ideal family out of mud? And God is over here saying, let's go to Fiji. And I'm like, what's Fiji? It's like, it's amazing. It's beautiful, crystal clear water. The ocean is, un is unbelievable. And I'm over here and I'm saying, what's the ocean? I don't know what that's like. Oh, there's like palm trees and huts with like glass floors. It's amazing. Like, what's a palm tree? A hut? What's a hut? I don't know. Like, well, you can't wrap your mind around how unbelievable the joy and the pleasure is over here. Like, we can't, we don't have words for it. We don't have perspective for it. Like, it's, 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 we can't, we're so good at kind of creating and building and manufacturing these little joys that are just this it's like, oh, that's cute, kid. You're like playing in the mud. 
Come on, let me show you something amazing. Let me, let me show you something that, like if you grew up in Fiji, you're like, okay, Fiji's good. But if you've never been there and, the, and you've never even seen anything like it and you, sh- and you show up, it's, it's like, what is this place? I've never been, but I've seen pictures. Yeah, what, why is this place? This is what he has for us. This is what he has for us. Man, you're, you're, the problem isn't that, that you have these great big ideas and these great big visions and dreams. It's that your visions and dreams and your, your ideas are so, so small and, and just broken. So broken. The second problem with this is um, that we're really good at masking our joylessness. We're really good at hiding um, our lack of joy. We're really good at um, when people say, man, how's everything going? Oh, oh, good. Everything's good. Are you sure? Because I heard your wife's going through some stuff, some health issues. No, 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 we're good. We're good. Uh, listen, ah, she's going to be fine. It's all, it's all, we're good. Are you sure? Because I heard that, you know, your job is kind of falling apart. No, no, we're good. Like, we're really, really good. And we don't just do this just to other people. We do it to our, ourselves as well. Like, we create, we create these busy, crazy lives. And we come home, and we, we turn on the TV and just numb everything. We numb that voice in the back of our mind that says there's got to be something more than this. You were created for something more than this. We run from this thing to that thing. We, we got our kids in like every sport and every activity. They're, they're playing like six instruments in band, not because they want to, but because we want to keep ourselves moving so that we don't have to think about that voice saying, there's something more than this. Friends, what's amazing is that voice is a gift from God. You see, you and I, we were created to worship him. We'll talk more about that in a minute. And that voice is calling you there. And we're like, oh, let's worship mud pie. Doesn't work. It never fulfills. It never satisfies. It never, it never, it's not what you were created for. Blase Pascal was a French mathematician and philosopher in the 1500s. And he said it this way. He said, um, we run heedlessly into the abyss after putting something in front of us to stop us from seeing it. I love that quote. We just keep on going. I know there's a, gigantic, there's a gigantic hole there, but you know what? It's okay. It's filled with like sharks and, and vipers and crazy stuff, and there's flames coming out of it. But you know what? Let's just look at this sign. Let's just put this sign up, and we'll just kind of focus on that thing as we move straight into it, right? Uh, let's, just, let's just kind of numb our minds to the idea of where we are going, and let's just forget about it for a minute. Um, it'll be okay. Pascal wrote this in the 1500s. There, there was no TV. There was no internet. And there was no, none of these things. And he's like, man, everybody does this. Even then, let's just cloud our minds with whatever we can. Create this sense of busyness or urgency around meaningless things to numb the joylessness of our soul. To numb this, this nagging idea that there's got to be something more. Let's just forget about that for a while. You see, the joy that you and I are looking for, the joy that the whole entire world is looking for, the joy of all humanity, 
is found in one place. The psalmist knows it. In your presence, in the presence of Jesus, is the fullness of joy. That, that nagging feeling in your soul can only be satisfied in one place. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. It's this idea that it only, it only, it only is found in one singular source. The one who's knocking on your door and wants to sit at the table of your heart. So what do we do? What do we do? How do we get there? How do we get there and how do we stay there? Well, I think there's two, there's two things. There's two pieces to this. Um, first, um, we must understand how dirty the mud is that we are playing in. You have to know um, how gross this is um, in order to understand just how beautiful this actually is. Um, the, the, uh, uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, who was also a Brit um, theologian, uh, put, it, put it this way. He said, you must be poor in spirit before we can be filled with the Holy Spirit, negative before positive. And here again is another example of exactly the same thing. Conviction must, of necessity, precede conversion. A real sense of sin must come before there can be any true joy of salvation. Now that is the whole essence of the gospel. So many people spend their lives trying to find this Christian joy. They say that they would give the whole world if only they could find it or become like some other person who has it. Well, I suggest in 99 cases out of 100, this is the explanation. They have failed to see that they must be convinced of the doctrine of sin. They dislike it intensely and they object to its being preached. They want joy apart from the conviction of sin. But this is impossible. It can never be obtained. Those who are going to be converted, who wish to be truly happy and blessed, are those who first of all mourn. Conviction is an essential preliminary to true conversion. Here's, here's what he's saying. Over here, pl playing in the mud, this is all about my glory, B building my dreams, building my hopes, building my future, finding my joy in the things that I can find and buy and acquire in the end. This is all broken. It's, it's all broken. In the end, what, what awaits for me here ultimately is the wrath of God because, because it's, it's unholy. It's not perfect. It's full of blemishes and, and problems. It's, it's not how he designed it to be. But over here, in the fullness of his joy, Jesus says, hey, let me, let me show you 
Let me wade into your brokenness. Let me wade into your mess. Let me go to the cross and, and die in your place so, so that you might understand just how broken you are, just how, just how much needs to be paid for your brokenness, how much needs to be paid for the mud that you've been playing in. Let me clothe you in my own righteousness, and let me bring you over here into the fullness of joy. when we wade into our sin, when we wade into our failure, when we wade into our shortcomings, when we wade into our disability to be anything like him, we see our need for him. When I realize how broken I am, I see how perfect he is. And the fullness of joy begins to creep in. I say, I need that I need to move towards that. I need Jesus. I need to sit at the table. I need to stay at this table. And the second piece of this, the second piece, is simply giving him more glory for the things that he's already given us. Giving him the glory. You see, I said it before, you and I, we were designed, shaped, and molded for this we were designed to actually experience this. We were designed to, to be in the presence of his joy, to be satisfied by him and him alone. We are designed to, to worship him, to give him the glory for all things, not to create and manufacture glory. He already has it all. You're not, you're not going to give him something that he doesn't already have. But to actually say, man, the good, every good and every perfect gift in my life is from you. There's more joy there. Let me see if I can explain. When I'm driving down 15 in the sun setting and I see it bounce off the white snow of the mountains, and I think, man, that's ridiculous. That's like purple and, and orange and all of these crazy colors going on up there. It's, it's unreal. He did that. To, to him be the glory for that. When I'm walking through the woods and I smell, smell that scent of pine on the forest floor, he, he created that scent. It belongs to him. What I'm enjoying is something that he's given me. When, when my little boy cuddles up to me and just wants Dada to hold him and tell him a story, he did that. He created him, he shaped him, he molded him, he gave him all his little funny quirks that make me laugh. It made me cry. He, he made that. He shaped it. When I bite into this, the most delicious bite of food, right? He did that. Every taste bud in my mouth, he shaped and molded it and formed it. Every, every flavor and every ingredient that he could possibly put in food, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of, of ingredients that create thousands upon thousands of flavors, he made them all. Why? For his glory and my joy. And so the way that we find our seat at this table, the way that we actually begin to experience this is by slowing down. Slowing down. There, there's some things in your life that you might have to start saying no to, that you've been saying yes to, just to slow down. Go for a walk. Le leave, leave this guy at home. Leave it, leave it at home. Go alone. 
grab your friends. Go sit around a table and laugh till your face hurts. And realize that he's given you all of that. Grab um, your family and just draw them near. And, and, and in that moment, in that moment, realize that he's given you all of that. To him be the glory. Find the fullness of your joy in him. Find the fullness of your delight in him. And then realize that that one, the one that's given you all of those things that bring a smile to your face, that cause you to go, ah, oh, it's amazing. Is knocking at the door of your heart. He wants to sit at the table and dine with you. He wants to give you even more than that. What he has is even better than that. What he has is unimaginable. It's untappable. It's what he has for you. To him be the glory. And the more we give him glory, the more joy we find in the things that he's given us. He is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And he longs for you to know him. And he longs for you to find greater joy in him. Let me pray for us. Jesus, this morning we come before you and, oh man, I just ask, I know, I know that, that in this room, some of us for so long, we've been coming to church and we've been doing these things and there is no joy in it. For others of us, this is, this is all new. This is, we never even thought about this before. Help us to see how good you are. Help us to see how much is actually at the table for us. Help us. Help us to see how broken the things that we are investing our lives into are outside of you. That we might crave and hunger for more of you. For those of us in this room who have created these lives of just blindness, we've created lives of just busyness and hurriedness, or, or maybe we've created a facade of that and we're just kind of filling our days with nonsense and wasting time, convict us, break us. Force us to slow down if you have to. I don't, I don't care. I would, rather, I would rather be bedridden finding my joy in you than have the ability to, to spend my days just, just going and going and going and going and going, just putting up signs that, to block me from seeing the abyss that is in front of me. Whatever you have to do, you, you do it. For your glory, not for ours. For your renown, not for ours. And might we find the fullness of our joy right there in your presence. Might we find pleasures forevermore. And might we never leave that table. Praising your name. Amen.